programmed on usually something different, but I want to talk to you tonight about starting your supernatural wealth flow, how to get it, how to get it started. Because there's greater dimensions to get into, and that's why I wanted Lisa to go ahead and share that. And I'm going to ask her to share that again Sunday because I want everybody to hear that God will take care of you when Amen. you go to when you go to Southwest Believers Convention. That's right. Amen. When I when I first left my job to go full time in the ministry, now I'd worked from the time I was just around 15, just about turned 15, I think, is when I went to work. So I knew what it was to work hard. Not that I quit. I always when I say that, I don't want people to think I quit school at 14. I am educated. <laughs> But what I meant was, you know, I was working a job on afternoons and Saturdays and any time you could, that kind of thing, and, and worked hard at it. And so then when I graduated high school, I just went full-time into work. And I did that from the time I was 17 to the time I was 20 when the Lord called me full-time into the ministry. Well, when I quit my job in 1980, I was not using my faith for finances at all. And, and to be honest with you, having wealth, wasn't even an ambition in me because I didn't think that belonged to Christians. Right. You know, most, most times we had had that idea that to be closer to God, you had to be poor or something like that. Right. That means ever heard right. things and remember Amen. when things were like that were either Amen. preached or kind of understood that Amen. way. And uh, so I didn't have any ambition for money or wealth, anything like that. I was interested. Let, let me tell you what I went into the ministry with this idea. I was interested in faith for my own salvation. I was still working on that. I was interested in ministry opportunities and ministry abilities. I wanted to be able to do things for God. Man, I, I, was, I was using my faith to have miracles and signs and wonders and lead other people to the Lord, conversions with other people. I, I was using my faith for health because I found out I needed that. I found that out pretty early on, and I was believing for peace of mind. And those were the things I was believing for. Money was not even an ambition in my life when I went full-time to ministry. But seven days later, I found out it was going to take a whole lot of money to survive, to live, to do anything and do everything that God called me to do. And so I had to go to the Word of God about a weekend of the minute. You understand what I'm saying? About a weekend, I had to go to the Word of God and find out what did the Bible say about taking care of me financially. And it was not easy in 1980 because I had a lot to undo of religious attitudes and religious ideas and and if you had money, you'd evil or, you know, you was a fat cat. And, you know, if you thought you was, you know, it was just all the dangers of money. Money would ruin you and those kind of things that people, Christian people put on us. And I had to find out what it, the scripture, what God's opinion was about it. Because I had to have it working in my life if I was going to be able to survive. Like I say, when you go full time in the ministry, what that meant for me was I quit my job. So I didn't have an income coming in like that. I did take a job pastoring, but they were paying me $185 a month. And my trailer payment was $121.35 a month. And then you had utilities on top of that. What I mean when I say I went full-time to the ministry, I mean I left mother's house. Right, right, <laughs> you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't eating mama's cans of tuna no more. And, and I'd open up my little cupboard and it didn't have anything in there. You know, and I had to believe anything I had, I had to believe God for it. And I've told you all those stories before, but I'm just saying it didn't take long, about a week before I learned I had to have finances. So I had to discover what the money said about it. And I found this out. And there's some of these facts I hope you'll write down and think about and study them out. We're so blessed today with the Internet. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you believe everything you read on the Internet, but, I mean, it gives you access to information. You know, you got you to gotta be, you know, I mean, you, if you believed everything that you saw on the Internet, you'd believe the world's flat and you was about to fall off, you know, some of the stupidest people I've ever heard in my life. But here's something I want you to write down, just an interesting fact. The Bible actually mentioned, this is what I found out back there for nearly 40 years ago. The Bible mentions money more than it talks about any other single topic. 
And I mean, it gives you all the instructions about how to handle money, how not to handle money, what to do with it, and how much of it God wants you to have. And the Bible makes it clear. You, I mean, if you study the scriptures, you won't, you won't wonder on any of it. If you're reading along with us at Jasper Christian Center in our uh, daily Bible reading, Amen. you've just finished the book of Genesis, you're into the book of Exodus now. Amen. Saints, I don't know how this is affecting you. Maybe it's just me, but it's like I'm reading a brand new Bible. Amen. I'm seeing things in there. I, I mean, it's just, I've, I've never seen the Old Testament in the light of what I'm reading right now, as well as the New Testament scriptures we're meditating on. And I've, I mean, just in Genesis and Exodus, in these few chapters of Exodus, what are we on today? Was it 13, something like that? I don't even know where we were, but 14 or something like that today. But just in those few chapters that we're reading, I mean, I'm seeing things on finances that I've never seen before. And I, one of them I, I'll, I'll give you later that we just read a few weeks ago about Joseph when he put that money back in the sacks of his brothers. You remember that? And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll bring that up in just a minute. But I found out that the Bible actually mentions more about money than it does any other single topic, any other single topic. And then you find out this, and this is just a fact, you know, wealth can be either a blessing or a curse, and it depends on the attitude of the ones that hold it. Now, God has given us wealth designed to be a blessing to you. But if you have the wrong attitude with money, it can actually, it can destroy you. It can, it can mess you up. Because money has a way of becoming, easing up into a place of a God on you if you don't keep it in the right perspective. Amen. Now, money, you know, people say money's evil and that kind of thing. Well, you just go ahead and be clear on this. Money is neither evil, evil nor good in the sense of that it has a mind of its own. It doesn't. Money only takes on the nature of the person that possesses it. What that means is if you put a million dollars in the hands of a, of a man that loves God and tithes, put, put his tithes first and gives God offerings and obeys God, listens to God's voice and does his best to follow God's rules, that man is going to do more good than, than he's ever been able to do when he gets more money. But if you took the same million dollars, not a different million dollars, money doesn't have a nature of its own. If you took the same million dollars, I mean the same bills, cash money now, million dollars, take the same hundred dollar bill, cash bills, put it in the hands of of an evil man, he's going to do more evil than he's ever done. Right, amen. So money, you could write it down like this. Money's simply an enabler. It helps you do more. You know, if you like taking care of poor people, then you'll take care of more people uh, that are poor if you got money. If you like sowing seed into offerings at church, then you'll sow bigger seeds if you had more money. You'll just, it enables you to do more. If, if you're an adulterer and you go down to the family inn, why well, you'll go to the, to the omni. To commit adultery if you got money. It just enables you to do it in a bigger way. You understand what I'm saying? So money, money itself is neither evil nor good. Never let anybody tell you that. Money just takes on to the nature of whoever's got the possession of it. So your job is to not um, make money good or bad. Your job is to keep your own heart right. And, and the right attitude. And the Bible gives us all the instruction on what that attitude, what God's attitude wants, what, excuse me, what God requires our attitude to be with money and how to use it and how to hold on to it. Never look to it as a God. You understand what I'm saying. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> An example of what I mean by that is, is money itself is not evil. We've, we live in the day of reality shows and talk shows and all those kind of things. And, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the Jerry Springer type things and the fighting and the everybody wants to air their life. I don't understand Facebook anymore. I mean, why, why do people want to tell the worst things going on in their life and how mad they are at their mama to see how many comments they get on it? I mean, I just, I just don't, I don't get that at all. And yet people do that, use Facebook and things like that, media to tell things like that. And I think that's really a ridiculous way to handle your life is in front of people like that and what all is hurting you, you know. But 
because we're in a time like that, we see it firsthand that you can have somebody that's got money right in their generation, an older person. Now, when I mean by older person, I mean somebody that's probably had wealth for a lot of years. And they've kept that wealth and they've done a lot of good things with it. And then by the time it hits the second generation, uh, those people are on Jerry Springer bragging about their money as if they got it or something, you know, right. when they didn't do anything to right. earn it. Amen. And, and flaunting it or, you know, and, and bragging about it and that kind of thing, making it as if it's something that they are, are better than people because they've got it. Second, third generation a lot of times loses what that first generation had. Right. And Amen. so I'm just saying the same money, see, that's the same money went from daddy to, to children to grandchildren. And yet you can see the effects of that money differently on those different generations. It doesn't have to be that way. I'm just saying we see enough of that in our time. The Kardashians and all those things, you know, they just, we, we see what people uh, do when they get more money. Amen. That's right. And so if we've got our heart right, first of all, God looks at us as somebody he can trust with it. And that's why you've got to be faithful. And I won't go back to the scripture, but in you know, the scripture, Jesus makes it plain that God is always judging us on faithfulness. Mm, and, and he says that Jesus said it like this. He said, if you're faithful in little, you will be faithful in much. That's right. Amen. How, do you, how does God know? If you've never had much, how does God know you'll be faithful with much? He proves it with what you did with little. That's right. That's right. Amen. In the days when you had little money, you was faithful to him. That's Faithful to tithe, faithful to give offerings, faithful to do what God called you to do. Every instruction he gave you, you were faithful to do it with a little bit. And then he says, well, then they're trustworthy worthy with more. Amen. So every time you've got money in your possession, it's a test, a financial test. That some people call it the money test to see if you'll just be faithful. And that's all God's looking for. Because Jesus that said, if you're faithful over little, you'll be faithful over much. That's the same Jesus that said, if you're unfaithful over little, you will be faithful over much. Well, uh, unfaithful over much. Now, why would, why would that even need to be said? Because a lot of people that don't have money today and are not faithful with their little. Now, come on. Y'all watching the kids more than me. What, I, I, more important. Now, y'all, Susan will take care of them. You don't let your mind wander on, on this. Amen. I don't want to fool around with you another 10 years being broke. Come on. Amen. <laughs> I need you to listen to this. The devil tried to get your mind off. But look, now, this is important that you get it. Why would, we, why would Jesus have to say if a person's unfaithful with little they won't be faithful with much. Now, Jesus said that. I mean, you're not going to break that rule. You're not going to say, I'm going to prove to Jesus. I'm going to prove Jesus. I know I had not been faithful a little, but I am going to be. Now, but see, the point is, people do that all the time. You take a non-tither, a person that doesn't, isn't faithful with their tithe, they're not faithful with offerings, they don't do anything, they just kind of spend their money on themselves, and they're struggling, poor old me and all this, but they're telling God constantly, but Lord, if you'd let me win the lottery, <laughs> if I had a million dollars, boy, if you'd let me win that, if Ed McMahon would knock on my door, I think Jesse was somebody was saying about Ed McMahon, but I think he's dead, isn't he? I mean, I'd be scared if he knocked on my door. <laughs> but, but the idea is, a lot of people say, but Lord, I know I know I haven't been faithful in time, but Lord, if you ever let me win that lottery. And the Lord said, no. No, I know you better than that. He That's said, right. if you've been unfaithful with a little, you will be unfaithful That's with much. Right. If you've been faithful with a little, you will be faithful with yes. much. That's Amen. the testing ground. That's right. Amen. So, so the point I'm trying to get across to you, and this is my assignment tonight in this, I, I'm not going to talk to you about the billion flow, the million flow and all that. I'm going to talk to you about getting that trickle started. Yes. And it might mean $10 and whatever, and you know, and it change, it'll change your world when God begins to flow into you. And we're going to talk to you about how to start that supernatural wealth flow tonight. Amen. So wealth, uh, wealth has to be approached with a faithfulness in your heart. And, and I'm telling you, God's looking at what you're going to do. See, somebody said, boy, if I had a... <laughs> I thought of John Osteen because John Osteen said this when he was dating Dodie. 
I don't know if this is true. It's just something John Osteen always said. He said, I told Dodie, he said, oh, I wish I had a thousand arms just to hug you with. And she, he said, Dodie said, John, I don't care what you do with a thousand arms. I want to know what you'll do with the two you got. <laughs> you know, well, see, God, you say, oh, if I had a thousand dollars, Lord, a million dollars, I'd really give to you. And the Lord said, I don't care what you do with a million dollars. I want to know what you'll do with the two in your pocket. I don't know if you'll be faithful over the dime. I don't know if you'll be faithful over the quarter. See, he, he's watching us in those little things. And nobody wants to start out there. We all wish that just a million dollars would come and we'd just show God how faithful. But he's, he's smarter than I and you. I know that's not good English. He's smarter than us. Smarter than us. And, and he's watching. So he, just start where you are. The point is, if we get started faithful today, he's watching that. You say, but Brother James, I failed the money test for 10 years. Yeah, but you could pass it today. You know, you, could, you can pass it. I mean, he's just watching it just like somebody going to school. I went to school with a boy that he stayed in the first grade for about seven or eight years. He was shaving by the time he was in the third grade. And, uh, but, you know, if he ever, the moment he passed the test, <clears throat> they moved him on up to the, now this was back in the 60s. This is a long time ago. I don't think they do it like that anymore. But as long as he would pass the test, as the moment he passed the test, the moment they'd move him. I mean, you've got to understand, when you've got a third grade shaver, <laughs> you're wanting to pass him to the fourth grade. So they weren't anybody trying to keep him out. They were just trying to get in there, but he had to pass that test. And so God's watching us, but you can pass that test anytime because yeah. the test is given every day. Yes. Faithfulness is proven every day. The purpose of wealth, you, we're going to talk about, begin talking about tonight. Purpose is to give God glory for the wealth. That's the number one thing about wealth is that you'll turn right around and give him the glory for it. Glorify God with your wealth. And then secondly is that you'll use it to fulfill the calling that he's got on your life on earth. And to advance his kingdom. Now, certainly those both go together, but I'm just saying sometimes it's, it's to build up what God's called you to do and affect that. And then at the same time, you're seeing how you can affect the kingdom of God all around the world. Amen. Now, the Lord told me to give you just a real quick note on this. And again, I don't have these scriptures go up there. I wish I did these other translations. But while we're talking about this, because what's one of the biggest needs that everybody has? I, I think of something Dr. Summerall said. He was talking about don't go in debt. But he said this, and, and I, I disagree, and I, I agree, and I disagree. This was Dr. Lester Summerall years ago, but he made this statement. I'm, this was back in the 80s. I'm not asking you to take it as law because we still have to go to the Word of God and judge it out ourselves. Right. We're not a follower of people. We're a disciple of the Lord. Amen. So that means we, have to, we don't just take somebody's opinion. That's but right. yet, I, I appreciated this in a way, what he said. He said, you know, stay out of debt, except it, unless, of course, he said it's for a house or for an automobile, because he said you have to have a home and you have to have an automobile. And said you can't do without that. Some jobs you can't even get without a car. You know, unless you got, you know, so you got to have that. But he said, but don't, don't use that debt ever to go on a vacation or to buy things, you know. Because, I mean, if you, if you ever get caught up in credit card buying, you, you'll be making payments on groceries you ate 10 years ago. Still trying to pay the interest on groceries you ate or on some vacation. And I'm telling you, they're not a vacation you've ever taken that's worth you going in debt over. You hear what I'm saying? Right. That's not, that's not anti-vacation. Don't misunderstand right. what I'm saying. I, I believe you ought to have them, but I believe they ought to just, you, you, if we live God's way, Amen. we'll experience and have the money with us that's to do good. those things. Amen. And it not be a struggle. This is what that's God's right. wanting to get Amen. his people out of. Amen. Now, as we look at this, and the Lord told me, he said, now one of the biggest things that people need, now of course, let me add on to what Dr. Sumprall said. I believe with all my heart, according to the scriptures, we can have the home of our choice without debt. Amen. And that's scriptural because the scripture in Romans 13 that says, Owe no man anything but to love him. Romans 13, 8, I believe it is. Owe no man anything. And, and 
if you're not clear on what does that mean, owe no man anything but to love him, because it's talking about honoring people, giving honor where honor's due in that setting. And then, uh, but the amplified version there where it says, owe no man anything but to love him, the amplified says, stay out of debt or keep out of debt, I believe is the way the King James, uh, the way the amplified says, keep out of debt. Well, that's a good reason, and I'll give you some scripture on why you want to stay out of debt. Of course, the scripture says the borrower is servant to the lender, and I'm going to deal with that in just a minute. But the Lord told me just, just here at the beginning of this series, talk just for a few minutes about that God wants you to have a good home. In other words, I don't want you to get the idea that if God's wanting us to avoid debt and things like that, that we can't have anything nice. That's a lie of the devil. And so let me just give you this scripture. And like I said, I don't have them to go on the board. So I'm just going to read this to you. And you jot it down because of time. Amen. This is Isaiah 32, 18. I'm going to read it to you. First of all, I have King James, Isaiah 32, 18. And then I'm going to read it out of four different translations. And, and you say, what do I do? Well, you can write down these references, these uh, translations, and you can get them later, look them up later. Amen. Or write down a word or two that stands out. Not the whole verse verbatim, but... A word or two sometimes stands out in another translation that says, well, that's pretty powerful. Listen to this now. I'm going to read it to you now. Isaiah 32, 18 says, My people shall dwell in peaceable habitations. Now, the word habitations can be the same thing as a home as well as a neighborhood. It means your home, and of course, that's what you have. If you're, if you're in a neighborhood, you're there because you have a home there. Amen. That's right. Now listen, let me read it further. Isaiah 32, 18 says, My people shall dwell in peaceable habitations and in sure dwellings. Mm, yeah. Now sure, there's several things it means by that, and, and you don't just pick one and throw it away. I mean, you get the whole meaning of it. A sure dwelling means a safe dwelling. But you know, that word sure, another word for it means that you, you, the bank can't get it because the bank ain't got a hand in it. Amen. Do you know when you got a debt, <laughs> you got a mortgage, anybody remember where the word mortgage comes from? It comes from the word mortuary. Oh. And, and it does. It come, that's where the word mortgage comes from because it's a, and, and literally, well, look, now you think about 30-year mortgage, right? How many payments is 30 years? Is that 180, isn't it? Something like that? 360. Thank you. I'm thinking of 15-year mortgage. All right. So a 30-year is 360. Oh, wow. Look at this. Payments. Okay. Now you think about 307, 360 mortgage payments. And that word mortgage means mortuary, comes from mortuary. Literally translated, the word mortgage means death grip. Wow. Well, my point is, if you got a mortgage like that and you're owing these payments, I mean, you know, it, it sounds good at first. I remember when I first went, the first time we went in debt for a house. And uh, it was a little home. It was nice, but it was, you know, we'd never owned a house together. We'd always rented homes. Had, at that time, had two children. And uh, I remember they... they uh, Gave me all the figures on it. Now it wasn't a lot of money, you know. It was a, it was a, at that time, I, it was a seventy thousand dollar home I was buying for fifty two thousand from a friend. So it was a good deal on the house. And they finally, you know, got all the paperwork. You know, you know how that all happens, you know, in Birmingham. And and uh, and they said, and I'm sitting there, and I've never been through this before, you know, because you're getting ready to sign your life away, as people say. And 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 they were talking about this, and and they said this, and finally they said, well, now, okay, this is going to work. This is going to work. Everything's going to work. And, uh, and said the payment will be X number of dollars a month, you know, it was ever how much it was, which was to me was a lot of money in, in those days because we were paying less money for the rent, but it was more than that. And said, so, so this will be the payment and all, are you willing now to do it? I mean, it, and I realized all of a sudden it was the, the decision's mine. I mean, I was faced with the same thing as when Susan asked me to marry her. I mean, I, I had to put up or shut up, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> No, I'm mean, just say, and it was out in front of me, and I and I remember my response, my my educated twenty-something year old or thirty, I was out of a thirty, 
And I, my response was, uh, I, I think so. <laughs> and, and, and Johnny looked across the desk and he kind of laughed. He said, well, you got you to do more than think so. I mean, either you want it or not, you know, is, if we go through with it or not. And you make that decision, but it's kind of, you, you kind of reluctantly when you start thinking about that. And, and sometimes it's kind of fun at first or same way with the new car. You know, you drive that thing, you say, this is all excited until about the second payment. In the second payment, now you, how many have ever been there? Come on. Second payment, do you, do you remember doing this? Second payment, you pick up that old payment book and you thumb through it and you say, uh, sweetheart, we only got 64 more of these to go, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. We, got, we only got this many more to go, you know. I mean, we're, we got two of them down, six, whatever to go, you know. Right. I, we were, we were uh, having our car worked on the other day and you know how the salesman, they were trying to show us some cars while we were there having it worked on at the dealership. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and finally, what was it? He said, we can get this down, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, you know, boy, that wouldn't, it would be nice, you know, and, and um, we looked, more looked at it and so on, and he said, Brother Gardner, he said, we can get this to, and, and so I was back in the day when I was working at the car lot with you in the late 70s and, and early 1980 until I went to ministry, an average thing, people financed their car for 24 or 36 months. Yeah. And then when I came back after 10 years of ministry around Jasper and, and talking to Sue, people, no, people finance them for 60 months now. And do you know what they, they said, Brother Gardner, we could finance this thing to you for 72 months. I wanted to say to him, I said, what kind of car is going to last in Walker County for 72 months? You know, that, that car is going to be sitting on the side of the road and me still making payments. I ain't doing that. That's a no, I thank you, but no, we're not, not doing that. And so it is, it gets that death grip. That mortgage has that death grip on you and it's just an overwhelming thing. Well, God doesn't want us to struggle like that. So, right. But he's not saying, okay, you'll never have a new car because you can't have a mortgage, uh, debt. You, you can't have a new nice house because you can't have a mortgage. You know, that's not right. what God's saying. And so listen to this scripture. I'm going to finish reading this. Isaiah 32, 18. I hope anybody's getting something out of this. Amen. Oh, I, I picked up the song uh, sheet. I'll preach that to you too, praise God. That's good too. That's all I'm messing with. Listen. My people shall dwell in peaceable habitations, yes. in sure dwellings. Bank can't take it from you. Amen. Sure dwellings place. Yes. Can't get it back. And it adds in quiet resting places. Yes. Now, you know how I, before we started putting the scriptures up on the screen, I used to say, now, Wednesday night, let's, let's, let me read these and let them soak into you a little bit. Mm -hmm. Let them soak again tonight. You just write down these references if you're interested Amen. in them. This is the CJB version. That's the complete Jewish Bible, CJB. Listen to this. God says, my people, now you think about yourself and you make this, take it as your own faith. Amen. My people will live in a peaceable place in secure neighborhoods and tranquil dwellings. Wow, that's good. Amen. Secure neighborhoods and tranquil dwellings. And that, like I said, also means that you don't have to fear about the bank trying to take it away from you because you still owe them. You know, I mean, you miss a payment. They said, I hadn't studied this fact in about five years but about five, six years ago, I gave you this. It might have been three years ago, but I gave you this. And I know it gets a little different today. I mean, it's probably worse than what I'm giving you. But they were saying at that time that 85% of all Americans are one payday away from bankruptcy. Wow. You know, in other words, if I miss one payday, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my car, might lose my house. They'll get behind, wow. see. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not the way God wants to live. Hand to mouth. There's never been a biblical plan for God. Never. Amen. The DRA version, DRA version says, my people shall sit in the beauty of peace. Mm. Now think about your house. How, now I'm going to tell you something. Your house or your automobile is prettier when it's paid for. That's right. Amen. <laughs> now come on, anybody that knows what I'm talking about, say amen to that. It may not be, the, you know, it may not be a new car, but I don't owe nobody anything for it. You know? That's kind of nice. It makes it look a lot better too. 
My people shall think the same way with your house. My people shall sit in a beauty of peace, in the tabernacle of confidence, and in a wealthy rest. Wealthy rest means you've got money laid up to take care of things, but now never trusting in the money. You're saying, God, anything you tell me to do with this money is yours, you know, but, that's, but he don't mind you having a, a store of it. The Good News Testament, that's the GNT, says God's people will be free from worries. That has to mean no debt to it. My people will be free from worries and their homes will be peaceable and safe. And, peace, and peaceful always has a relationship to prosperity. Peaceful. So my people, God says, will sit in the uh, in their homes will be free of worries and their homes will be peaceful and, peaceful and safe. Now listen to the message translation, MSG. My people will live in a peaceful, neighbor, peaceful neighborhood in safe houses, in quiet gardens. Woo, now, when I, when, now I'm not finished, but boy, when I started reading that, I, I started painting a picture because when I dream my new house, I dream gardens. <laughs> yes. well, right? You know what I mean by gardens? I'm, and I'm not talking about whole gardens. <laughs> I'm talking about England gardens. When they say the garden, they're talking about looking at the flowers and the trees and all the pretty things. Not opposed to uh, organic tomatoes, but you know, I'm just saying this is to me is is beautiful gardens to walk in. He says, now let me read all this. My people will live in peaceable neighborhoods, in safe houses, in quiet gardens, but you will enjoy, he goes on to say, a blessed life planting well-watered fields and gardens with your farm animals grazing freely. Which means a lot of prosperity and wealth. Yes. Amen. So that's always been God's idea. Now, now people's idea, if you listen to preachers' ideas about finances and money, the ideas vary. Right. And that's why I said a while ago, you make a choice and a decision tonight for the rest of your life. You're not a follower. Right. Amen. You know, that's if somebody right. says something, I don't care if it's Pastor James or whatever. You know, when I came in tonight, Angie said to me, said, oh, there's my favorite pastor. I said, I always knew you liked me better than Susan. <laughs> You know, joking. And she said, no, I meant you and Susan together. You know? <laughs> but, but see, but the idea is it don't matter if I preach it. I don't matter if Brother Copeland preaches or anybody else. Your job is not to just say, okay, Brother Copeland said it. That's it. I'm going to run with it. Amen. Your job is to be a disciple. That means a learner. Yes. And you say, is that right, Brother Copeland? Let me turn over there and find that. Well, Brother Copeland, you're exactly right. And then you make your decision based on the Word of God. Yes, so. amen. And so don't, don't just be a follower because if you do, you'll just be carried by, as Paul said in the book of Ephesians, you'll be carried by every wind of doctrine. What everybody, pre- anybody preaches, you just, one day, you're, one day you're saying, well, you know, God really wants us to have a nice home and he wants us to be blessed, praise God. And then you listen to another preacher and you say, well, you know, that money will send you straight to hell, you know. And, and you, can't, you can't be like that. Just go with what the word says. Go with what the word says. And that's so important. So don't be a follower, be a learner, be a disciple. And uh, here's what God's real opinion is. Turn to Romans. Since y'all are turning there and you got the desk there in front of you, turn to Romans 8.32. Let's look at it real quick. Let this, uh, and my job now, I've got, I've got a lot of notes tonight. I don't know that we'll get to go over them all tonight. I go as far as you'll pull out of me in time. But, um, and the Holy Spirit help us get out. But we'll get as far as we can. But make these things, this, this is groundwork to prosperity. If you, don't, if you don't get these things settled, you'll never prosper with God's wealth. That out-of-debt flow, that supernatural wealth where money comes to you supernaturally. Susan, Susan and I came up to the pulpit to preach one Sunday morning back in, Susan, I don't remember when it was, first of the year, February maybe, and uh, there was a note envelope on the pulpit with our name on it. I think it said pastors or something. And when he opened up, it was $1,000 cash in there. Just. 
So I said, when was that? That was that Sunday I preached with that big smile on my face. Y'all remember? I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was a happy man. It's uh, where'd it come from? God. I don't know. I mean, it's just, that's part of what I'm talking about. That's that supernatural bit flow. That was just somebody wanting to be a blessing to you. And you just say, oh my God. And you just go home praising God. I mean, you know, you get a, you get a little windfall like that. It didn't make you excited enough. and want to quit your job Monday. You know, people have to be careful. I mean, you know, I think most jobs are quit when the tax income, what is that called? Re, what is that return? Tax return comes, people ready to quit. I mean, look at this. I got, I got $4,000.37. I'm quitting my job. <laughs> and then a week later, you know, like we said, a week later, they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> it don't last that long. But it's a blessing. I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about, that supernatural out-of-debt flow. Where money's coming to you supernatural. In other words, God had a hand. He uses people. But God has it. And, and listen, I'm telling you, God, He always wants to use people. He'll always speak to them. But I'm telling you, according to the scripture, if a person doesn't obey him and when he tells them to do something for somebody, God will get that to that person regardless of whether that person, if, if it has to be a coin, in a, if a guest to get a fish to do it. Somebody's going to obey. A fish will obey sometimes quicker than human, but he always tries human first because that fish doesn't need a hundredfold harvest. But people do. He's trying to get some too. But that's that supernatural financial wealth flow I'm talking about. Right. That's my job, my assignment tonight is to begin telling you how to get that started. Amen. You Amen. know, Daddy did a lot of plumbing. I used to, and I did a lot with him watching plumbing, you know, and, and just because you had a trickle doesn't mean that's enough. Right. But, but you got to get the trickle flowing first, you know, and then, and, oh, it's good. Something's coming, you know, and then right. you begin to work on that and get it, you Amen. know, where you got that free flow, whatever's stopping it up, you know, or something Amen. like that. And so we're going to talk about how that flow can get started in your life where supernatural money comes. Um, a lot of Christian people, and of course, how many of you understand wealth and prosperity is not just for preachers? Right, amen. Because you know, so, so, I've had people say that to me when I first got saved and I'd start having testimonies of what God did and people come up to me and say, well, that just works for you because you're a preacher. I said, well, let me, I could go show you a whole restaurant full of preachers on Monday morning that it's not working for. So it must not be working just because I'm a preacher. It's working because I'm putting laws to work. And if it's a law, it'll work for anybody. Saying, saying prosperity and wealth works just for preachers, that's as silly as saying, well, gravity works for you because you're a girl. It don't work for boys. Come on, amen. Oh, yeah, boys can break an arm too. In the natural, I'm talking about. Amen. So, no, and then it's laws. It, laws work for whoever puts it to work. Amen. You, you'll never put a seed in the soil. Now, the Bible says the word is seed. God's word is seed. And it produces, and the soil is our heart. And it'll produce 30, 60, 100 fold, depending on how... You, uh, how you hear it and how you receive it. Yeah. But you'll, you'll never, I, there's not a person in the world that'll ever put a seed in the soil and that soil spit it back out and say, I ain't, I ain't growing that for you. Amen. I ain't growing a seed for a white man. Yeah. This watermelon's not for you. I, I'll let you grow squash, but you can't grow a watermelon. Or, or you're a girl, you, you're in debt, you can't do it. No, listen, that seed is no respect of person. Right. Amen. It doesn't matter if you are saved, unsaved. You put seed in the ground, that soil's going to produce that. That's God, it's a law. Seed time and harvest. It doesn't matter if you're educated. It doesn't matter if you're, and I ain't giving it to you. you. You dropped out of high school, in the, you know, or you dropped out of elementary school in third grade. That seed won't ever do that. That seed might grow better for the man that dropped out than it did for the other because of what the man knows at the third, at the third grade level. I don't know if that made sense, but I knew what I meant by it. But it'll work for anybody. <laughs> 
It'll work for anybody. There are laws, and the laws of God's financial prosperity will work for any man or woman or girl or boy that'll put it to work. It doesn't matter how much debt you're in. God's flow, once it gets started, it'll begin to push that debt out of your way. You can begin to attack that. Money will come. You'll begin to have things. And you, and you had, if you're broke today, if you've got small savings today and you can't do the thing, I mean, you know, what, what would you like to do if money was no object? What would you like to do today? Anybody got anything on your mind you'd like to do that you don't mind saying? Feed the homeless. You can feed more homeless. Well, see, that, that money for that would happen. What? Put us in another building. I was hoping somebody would say that one too. Put us in another building. Well, listen, it should be for any one of us to say, how much is that? Oh, I'll write that check tonight. Amen. And, and until we're able to do those kind of things, yes. we shouldn't be satisfied with where that's we are. Right. Amen. If, if we have to pass by somebody that's hungry and we can't supply their need, or a man that's losing their, his house because he, he had to take time off to have surgery because he was, had, had heart surgery and he, had to, and he ended up lost his job. Now he's behind his payments three months and he's putting him on the street. That happens quite often. And if we can't just say, well, look, man, let me... I'm not going to just go put you in a hotel tonight. I'm going to pay your house off. Right. Let's just pay that thing off where the bank can't bother you no more. Amen. You know, and so let's just pay that thing off. And if we're not there and you can't imagine yourself being there, you need to be in class late tonight. Amen. <laughs> because that's where we need to, I'm just saying we need to work on this thing because this belongs to all of us. And it's not just, well, I'm living pretty comfortable. What well, is your neighbor living comfortable? I'm not asking. This is, this is, what about the man down the street? Somebody got on the elevator with a preacher. I can't remember who it was now. It seemed like it was, um, well, I don't remember. I, I don't, it might have been John Amazina. But anyway, and the man said to this preacher, said, well, I don't, because I'm thinking it was John Amazina because he preached so much about finances and God's wealth flow. And, and, and anyway, the preacher, the, the man said to the preacher, said, well, I don't, want, I don't want to be stingy for money. I just want enough for me and my wife and my children. And the preacher responded, Honey, that's the most stingiest attitude I've ever heard. Amen. What about your neighbors that can't pay his power bill? What about the hungry and the homeless? Amen. What about the churches that need to be built? Yeah. What about Amen. that? So you're, you're saying, I just want enough for me. That's stingy. Right. Amen. I want enough to pay. I, I, listen, Susan and I, we drive through areas and we just dream about, wouldn't it be fun just to go in here and tell all these people, say, no, look, I, we got you in a hotel uh, for, for a month while we work three shifts a day building your whole new neighborhood. Yeah. He's going to build this and you'll move back in here in a, you know, a week from a month from now, whatever it is, and you just have a whole new house and we just want to bless you. And we dream like that. You know, and, and so God's people ought to dream like that. The Bible says we build up the waste places. So we're supposed to be doing that. Somebody say amen to all that. So, so Romans 8, 32. Did you find it? I was trying to give you a little extra time to find it. Hmm, just kidding. Romans 8, 32. Make this your understanding. Not what somebody else says. What does God say about it? Here's what God said. Verse 32. He that spared not his own son God, I, let's fill in the pronoun so we know clearly what he's talking about. God that spared not Jesus, but delivered him up for that, on that cross for us all, gave us Jesus to die for us. How will God not with Jesus also freely give us all things? See, how does that relate to you and I today? That's, that's for us, if we, if we were a Christian that said, well, I don't believe God wants you to have a nice car. And then the response from Paul would be, you mean God loves you enough to send his son Jesus to die for you. You were worth his son, but you ain't worth a new car? You're saying the new car is better than Jesus? I don't think so. John, John Osteen used to say it like this. I thought it was a good example. He said, if I bought my wife a diamond ring, and I opened up that little plastic box that comes in, you know, with a little little felt in there. And I opened it up and said, there's your ring. 
And so she takes that ring, and this, I'm just making this up. This $20,000 ring, you know, she oh, look, I got this nice ring, put it on. Let me have that little box. No, you can't have the box. He said, that's what it would be like to think that God doesn't want us to prosper. Mm. He said, you can have Jesus, mm -hmm. but you can't have the plastic box. Mm. Wow. You can have, you understand what I'm saying? You can have the ring, but you can't have the thing that came in. You can have Jesus, but you can't have a car that will get you to work without right. dying on you down right. the freeway. That, that doesn't make sense right. to God, and Amen. it shouldn't make sense to you and I. Amen. So if he's given us Jesus, there's nothing he'll withhold. And, of course, I'm going to bank on, if you'll look back at that again, that last word he says, shall he not freely give us all things? Now, of course, if it didn't mean all things like all things means all things, he'd have to say, God give you all things except a house. And he'll give you all things except a motorcycle. He's not into motorcycles or something frivolous like that. So listen to it in other translations right quick. <laughs> Passion translation, TPT. Passion says, for God has proved his love to us by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him, Jesus, up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Amen. He certainly won't withhold anything else he has to give. The CSB, CSB version. He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Everything. So you can't, you can't get away from that. Anything, everything, all things that he has. Now, another scripture, turn 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 right quick. We'll just take time to look at these. I normally would have a lot of these up on the screen, but we don't have to go through all this tonight. I'm the pastor. I'll be back next Sunday. Next Wednesday, excuse me. I'll be back next Wednesday. And I'll just pick up there. Amen. These are scriptures that I know you know, 1 Timothy 6. I know that you know these, but I'm just saying you've got to have this or you're not going to be able to move into a higher Wealth flow, that, that trickle won't begin. Forget the billion flow, forget the million flow, the thousand flow. You'll not even have the trickle of the $10 flow until you get these revelations. I mean, I mean, we're saying, now you can go earn, you can go work hard, labor with your hands, earn some money, get some inheritance, do this or do that. But I'm talking about you'll never have supernatural money. God's putting it to you if you don't get these understandings about it. Now, this is 1 Timothy 6 17. Paul's telling Pastor Timothy, pastor of a church at Ephesus, says, Timothy charged them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches. Now, that's another part of the message. We'll get into it a little bit later, but don't ever let money be your trust. Right. You know, I got, I got money. I can do that now. Yeah. No, no, you can do it if God enables you to do it. Right. You, know, do you know, there's a scripture. This is why you don't ever trust in money. There's a scripture in the Old Testament, and you know it, and it says, not ever put confidence in money because he says money has a way of growing wings, sprouting wings and just flying off. That's why I said don't quit your money because you got your tax rebate. Don't quit your job, I mean, you know, because you got your tax refund because it, that, that'll just fly away. I mean, you ever had a windfall like that? Just think like, oh man, look at this. You know, some big sum of money, an inheritance or something big or a bonus or something came in and it just seemed like you could just, hey, it's working now. This prosperity stuff's working now, you know. Man, I'm telling you, and it just makes you feel good about today. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, you just, you just wonder, where in the world did that go? Amen. Just did a few things, you know. Amen. And, and you just, so money has a deceptive way if you do things because now I've got some money. You, do, you learn to do things because God enables you. Yes, that's good. And that's if you're good. enabled by God, then you don't look at how much you got when he tells you to do something. You look Amen. at how much he's got because you're connected into his bank account. Amen. That's good. Not yours. Sad. This is... 
I've seen what I'm about to share with you repeated scores of times now. Maybe I, I say that. Maybe that's an exaggeration. But 40, 50 times at least I've seen this, this repeated what I'm about to tell you. And here's one that I just heard another part of it the other day. A young man that got saved in our ministry back in 1983, and around, I guess, 83, 84, something. No, no, before 82. And um, young man, he was my, about my age. In fact, he's a year and a half to two years, about, about a year and a half younger than I am. And he's told me ever since that day, God has called me pastor. He's called me into the ministry, and he was working a job, you know, and I was his pastor in Fayette for a number of years, and and then uh, John Parker, they're going to watch you till you get seated, buddy. <laughs> Blinders. <laughs> and, and I've tried to help him all these years. And then we moved, you know, God moved us to Birmingham, then Jasper. You know, been here a long time now, 30 years in Jasper. And, and uh, every time I see him, yeah, God's called me to ministry. And he's go through his 30s and go through his 40s. God called me to ministry. And now he's, he's my age. About, I'm 60, so he's probably 57, 50, excuse me, 58, going on 59. And... Uh, Somebody asked him the other day, said, you're getting ready now that you, because he had just got a big, a big check in from, uh, what do you call that, disability, a settlement or something, a big check came in to him. And because every time I see him, boy, I'm telling you, if God will ever get me some money where I can go in the ministry, because he's working a job and doing this kind of job, and I'm not going to describe all the kind of work he did. He worked hard, you know, at what he did. And uh, never, never go in the ministry. And, and so then he got this big settlement. I mean, big, big money. And plus a check, monthly check, but a big settlement for all the back. And it was always pretty big. And, uh, and so his nephew asked him the day, said, now you're getting ready to go into ministry like you've been? He said, no, I don't really think I'm going to do that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So he went out and, I'm, I'm just telling you, don't y'all go tell him because I, I don't want him to hurt his feelings. But, you know, I said, what did he do? He said, well, the first thing he went, went and bought him a $6,000 lawnmower. Oh, wow. I mean, am I against $6,000 lawnmowers? No, get you a fleet of them. It don't make me no difference. But God's called a man in the ministry and all he's thinking is I can get me a lawnmower and, if, and, and this is what he said. And if they don't catch me, Mowing grass, I can make me a little extra money. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Now, that's not the way Christians are supposed that's to live. Amen. Trying to beat the, what, what do you call that system? Welfare, what is that called? Is that disability system and all that kind of stuff? Trying to beat the, I mean, God, and, and oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I get into that. I, I get aggravated. So, charge them, that, let's keep reading. Charge them that are rich in the world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust what? In the living God who gives us what? Richly, say it with me, richly all things to enjoy. Now underline that if you don't already have that in your Bible. He gives us richly all things except for a house, all things except some good, except for good farberware, cookware, you know. He's not going to give you that. He don't want you to have the good cookware. Get you some of that used stuff down at the thrift store, you know. Um, he won't give you, a, you know, a nice purse. He can get you one of those takeoffs or something like that. He didn't say that. Mm -hmm. And I have to think that God is intelligent enough to have the man that spoke that and had it recorded and then canonized in our scripture to say that the way God wanted him to say it. Yes. Amen. Repeatedly. Right. It would have been all through the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And God, God's people always had the best right. whenever they served him and, yeah. and went with him. So it says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Yes. Now, before I deal more with that all things to enjoy that he gives us, yes. let's just understand something. If you'll look at that scripture again, what's the big deal in that? Is it money? No, the big deal is your attitude. Right. That your trust and trust is not in 
the money, but in God. And as long as our trust, in other words, that has to do with what I'm thinking on the end. That's all inside stuff. That's not billfold stuff. That's not checking account stuff. That's heart stuff. And if I got my heart right, then all things richly to enjoy. Well, because it's all things, let me, let me just play up on that a little bit with some of these other translations for you. Is that all right? The Amplified says, God richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Richly and ceaselessly. See, there's a never-ending flow with God. Never-ending flow. You keep money. If we know how to get that flow, I wish I could go on. I'm thinking now, I've gone too slow now. I wish I'd preached it all to you tonight because I want you to get started on that. And we'll give you some things that will help you get started, but this is just foundation. God richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. CEV version, contemporary English version. CEV says, God who is rich and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. Everything we need to enjoy life. Now, I know this is going to be a bad illustration, and I'm not against the thrift store. I like to go down there and get books. You know, I mean, because I can find books that are out of print or, or you know, somebody got rid of. Because, you know, it's funny, some saint has some book on their bookshelf and it changed their life, and then they die, and some idiot grandchild gets rid of it. They don't know the value in it. I had, a, had a, an attorney friend of mine, a good, good lawyer friend one time. His daddy was in the word of faith, just strong in the word, and loved Charles Capps and people like you and I do. And when he died, his daddy died, his son, who was also an attorney, said to me, said, Brother James said, I've got boxes of, of books by Brother Copeland and Brother Hagen and, and Charles Capps. Can I give them to you and tapes? And, you know, and those that had a lot of tapes. Can I give all those to you? I said, no. I said, you need to do the same thing with them your daddy did. Come on. Huh? I said, you need to be listening. That's, those changed your daddy's life. Those books changed your daddy's life and made him what he was. You don't realize that, but I said, because he, you know, he didn't understand what his daddy believed. But I said, your daddy was changed by those things and you need to do it. And I said, I'll not take them. I said, you can give them somewhere else, but I hope you'll keep them. Amen. And it wasn't that I didn't want them. I'd love to add them to my shelf, you know. I mean, probably had a lot of them, but I mean, I would have loved them before he gave them away or whatever, but I just thought I had to leave him with that. You've got to get in that yourself Amen. and let that get in you. It'll change you too. Amen. The more our hearts matured, what we're learning from this, the more our heart matures, the more God can trust you with. Yes. See, if your heart's right, not trusting in riches, then he's able to give you all things richly to enjoy so the CEV version says, God who is rich and blesses us with everything we need to enjoy life. Now I said I'm not against the thrift store and I said all that too, but what I was, my point I was going to make to you was that I'm not saying you can't find a deal down there. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you won't find a deal in the thrift store. But can you imagine now if you had to go, the only way you could have a dress for some event coming up, just say you got some event coming in and you got to have a dress and you don't have this black dress and so you go to the thrift store and it's old and got a tear and it smells like, you know, this, that, and other and it's tattered and torn and, you know, and worn out and, and you know, and you, I don't know how you are, but when I get somebody's clothes like that, I'm wondering who died in this dress. <laughs> You know, filling for the bullet hole. Where, you know, I mean, you know. And, but I'm just saying, now, not against that, but let's just say that's all you can afford, $5 for that. I don't know what they cost, but $5 for that dress. And, it, you know, and you got it cleaned up the best. But, I mean, would you, would you enjoy the party or celebration you was going to better if it was a brand new dress that was really the style you wanted? It was really the style you wanted. Or in this that was okay. I mean, you know, you're not against it. Nobody's going to make fun of it. Nobody's putting you down for it. But I'm just saying, which would have you enjoyed better? Well, this verse says in the translation here, CV says, God is able to richly bless you with everything we need to enjoy life. Yes, amen. 
I remember a preacher friend of mine preached a message back in the 80s. He said, you know, who decides your needs? Does God decide what you need or do you decide what you need? You decide if you need a $5 dress or a $500 dress. Yes. Lord, I'm going to this and I need a $500 dress. And, and, and do you think if you need, and I'm, that may not sound strange to some of you, but do you think if you needed a $500 outfit and you got to have that for a, something, you got to attend $500, $1,000, let's, let's just make it $2,000. Let's just say that. It's a $2,000 outfit, dress or suit, man, whatever. But it's $2,000 for you to do that. Do you think if you ask God for that, he'd be like, no way. I, I, I can't afford that to give you $2,000 for that. Why? We've got other things. Do you think that breaks Father's Bank? I told you this before, but not all of you heard it. It, it just bring out a good point right here. A friend of mine had a Lex, what do you call it? A Rolex watch. Had a Rolex watch. And back in the days, this was in the 80s, so, or, yeah, 80s, so this watch was $10,000 back then. I know there's different price variations and so on. But this man had a Lexus back when a lot of people didn't. And Lexus, Alexis, a Rolex. He had a Lexus too, but this is a Rolex. He had a Rolex watch, and, and it was $10,000, and uh, he was a pastor, friend of mine. And I was at his church when a missionary from France was there. Real nice guy. I like him real well, and I uh, hadn't seen him in a long time, but he's a real nice guy. I'm not, not against either one of them, but this, this missionary from France was with him and said, uh, said to him, said, Pastor, said, you know, said you could sell that watch and buy a whole lot of Bibles for France. That's what, you know, and of course, his, his heart, missionary's heart's there for France. Said you could buy a whole lot of Bibles with that. In other words, you spend a lot of money on that watch, you could spend that on Bibles for France. And I watched him do that for two days. He just kind of, you know, said, hey, you could, you know, that watch would buy a lot of Bibles in France. So it went on for about two days. And I wonder, kept wondering what the pastor would say because the pastor didn't say anything to him. I was around because I was in the meeting. And finally the pastor looked at him and said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, Ralph said, uh, God can buy this watch and a lot of Bibles in France. And then he said this, and, and he said, yeah, exactly, and he said, and what you don't realize, he said, I didn't spend anything on this. This was a gift to me. I didn't spend a dollar on this watch. You see, people judge things like that. They say, look at him. He spent $10,000 on that watch. I, I know I, I told you these things before, but it's just worthy of repetition. I was in a meeting back when we were buying our property that we own, now the church property. We own almost 16, 15 and a half acres or so. And uh, when we were buying it, waiting on enough money to close on it, we had uh, all the money for it. It was, if I remember right, it was $49,000 plus some cost. I don't remember. It was a little over $50,000. And um, we had 32, I believe it was, because we liked 18000 Is that right? 50000 about eight. We liked exactly 18000 whatever we had, but it was 18000 we lacked. And it, the closing date was in 30 days, and we had that extended for 60 days, and finally 90 days, I mean, because we was waiting on that other 18000 We just did everything we could do and had all the money that we you know, came in, came in, but it was just stated that 32 that we had and we needed $18,000. And um, they were calling, you know, the owner was calling the realtor saying, look, he needs to, if he wants this, he needs to get it or we're going to go to somebody, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, well, we're just, you know, hold on. If he'll let us, we're, we're believing God. You're not going to let go. Amen. And we were sitting in a service then in um, Fort Worth at, at a minister's conference, Brother Copeland's minister's conference, and Leroy Thompson was preaching. And Leroy Thompson made a statement. I don't remember now if it was the ring or the dog, but he, in this sermon he made something, a statement about a 20-something thousand dollar dog he had. And, uh, and that dog was, you know, he, the dog was 20-something thousand dollars because it was uh, trained to when he got, of course, you know, Brother Thompson at that time had moved up to a very high level of wealth. And they had trained this dog that when they got home with the dog, the dog would run through the rooms and make sure nobody was in the house. In the house. It was trained to do that, you know protect them like that. 
to see if there was somebody hiding, you know, because they'd be held for ransom and got money like that. You have to be careful of those kind of things. Bible says that. Bible says that, that, that the Bible says a poor man will never be held for ransom. That's what it says. And so had that, well, I, I noticed some of the ministers. Now, we had in a building of, at that time, 1,200 to 1,500 preachers. And I noticed some of the ones sitting around us were like, I can't believe that man spent $20-something thousand on a dog. You know, just kind of like, that's horrible. Well, I, my thought was it's his money, and it kind of blesses me to know that you could have that kind of money to buy on a dog. I didn't know it was a dog. I never had a dog worth $22,000. And then he said something about a ring. In his message, he just about how the Lord had blessed him. He had a ring. And he said it was a $15,000, no, it was an $18,000 ring. And, of course, if the dog didn't make you mad, you better believe that <laughs> ring was making people around him mad. They were, you could hear people talking like, I can't believe that preacher. And, and I was sitting there like, God gave him an $18,000 ring? If God had given him an $18,000 ring, I know God wants to give me $18,000 for that property. I got in faith about it. Now, I, I mean, I didn't realize how upset people were until you go to lunch and more than people were fussing about that preacher bragging on his ring, bragging on it. And I was just like, no, no, that, that told me that God will do the property for me. They didn't know what I was talking about. I said, that means God. And do you know, we came back and it wasn't just a week or so after that, my telephone rang and it was a preacher I had not talked to in years up in Gadsden, Alabama. And he said, uh, Brother James, he said, I, I hear y'all buying some property. I said, yeah, we're in the process, you know, trying to get ready for a closing. He said, how much do you like having it? I said, what? You know, I didn't, you know, I just didn't talk about those things because I believe I received when I prayed. And he right. said, no, I mean, how much? I said, well, we're just like $18,000. We've got 30, whatever we had, 32000 And I said, we like $18,000. He said, well, Karen and I, his wife, he said, well, my wife and I said, we've already talked about it. Whatever you owed on it, we're just going to send you a check for the rest of it. I said, I said, say that again. <laughs> I said, he said, we're going to put it in 18000 He said, It'll, now this was on a Wednesday afternoon. He said, I'll put it in overnight today. And you'll have it tomorrow. Well, I didn't have it tomorrow. I had it Friday because, you know, it was so late on Wednesday afternoon. It didn't, you know, how that didn't work. And so Friday morning, we had that $18,000. And, and, I mean, you know, the check came in just like he said on Friday morning. The cashier's check, man, I looked at that. And I didn't no more get back to the church with it. And we got it ready to go to deposit. And the phone rang, and it was the realtor. And he said, said Brother Gardner, I said, I'm sorry, but they're putting a, they either close on this. I said, I'm ready to close. I do not know what y'all waiting on. I said, I am ready to close. If tell them, if y'all waiting on me, y'all backing up. I'm ready. We'll do it today. I'm ready. Man, come on, man. <laughs> and we did close on that. But see, but see that, that ring on that preacher's finger gave me faith to believe that God would buy property. My faith jumped sky high in that thing. Some people get offended by those things. I don't. I just uh, Now listen, listen. I'm, I'm not going to go further than that because we're out of time. Look at me. I want to tell you two things I want you to start doing. Just right quickly, write these down. I close my notes. I look back at those notes. I go preaching them again because I'm excited about this. But two things I want you to start doing that I haven't given you everything I want to give you yet, but we'll deal with this more, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. Amen. To start your wealth, supernatural wealth flow, coming into you, do two things I want you to get busy about. I'm already giving you foundation. Already giving you this about check your heart. You know, make sure your heart believes in this. Amen. Already, all these things we're already dealing with. Here's two things I want you to do. Number one is start confessing. Well, no, no, put this first. Excuse me. I'm scribbling it out. Okay. Put this first because I think there's an order to this and I'll deal with this in another service. Okay. Is start sowing seed towards your wealth flow. Now, I know you do that, but I'm just start saying, start doing, let, let, let me tell you something the Lord told me one time. And, and Susan and I, working on this in our life, we're putting this into practice right now. Amen. My home mailbox, my, you know, we have a post office box for the church and a post office box for ourselves, and, and then we have our church, I mean, our home box, just like, like you probably do. And, I, you know, go out to that mailbox, 
every day and check the mail, you know, stuff that comes to the home address. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Lord, I don't ever hardly get anything in there. He said, you don't ever sow anything toward it. I said, what do you want me to do? And here's what he said to me. Now, I'm not telling you to do this. That's just why he spoke to me. He said, because I'm, I'm talking about personal mailbox now, not ministry stuff. He said, take every personal friend that you, you know, friends that are friends to you and, and put them on a list. Now, that's how he told me. He said, put them on a list and then pray about what I would have you do for them. You know, in other words, you might say, here's so-and-so and say, and send them a note. Say, uh, look, I can't be with you in uh, uh, Pittsburgh where you live today, but I was thinking about you and here's you an Olive Garden card. You and your wife go out and eat on yeah. Susan and I. Amen. Start sowing personal right. seeds. Amen. And he said, watch it start coming back on every wave. Amen. Go down that list. Amen. Somebody might send a gas card. Say, I was praying about you today. I know you're off in college out there and God told me to send you little gas cards, you know. And, uh, and then watch what I do back for you. But he said, you'll never, you'll never reap from a garden you don't plant. So start sowing. Uh, thank God. No, I'm not talking about your church giving, though God could speak something to you. I understand that. But start asking God other things. Used to, and I don't know how often this happens, and you may have this testimony happen to you every week when you come in here. I don't know, but I don't hear it like I used to. But used to people would say, oh, I came to church today and it was all I could do to get to church. You know, get set, didn't know if I'd have enough gas to get here before I left. Somebody told me, said they wanted me to follow them to the gas station. Yes. They filled up my Praise tank. That's right. Well, listen, that gets me excited because the person that filled up the tank is going to be in a place where they'll never yes. run out of gas. Amen. They're sowing a seed. See, harvest come. So start sowing little things. I mean, you know, look for things in your house that God would have you sow. If you hadn't got money to sow, say, all right, Lord, what have I got? I've got to, look, this is the best pen I got. Who needs a pen? Amen. See? Uh, Lord, this candle, this, this thing is nice. This picture is nice. Who, who can I sow? Look for seed to sow. That's right. And, and find somebody and, and, and sow that in, not just anywhere. Don't just sow it off the cuff, but ask God about where to do it and say, this is toward my, and then secondly. Now, once you start sowing like that, then it's begin to confess my supernatural wealth flow is coming to me now. Yes. My, and confess it every day, all day long, my supernatural. Use that word supernatural. That means it's coming from God. Amen. I'm not Amen. looking to the bank. Now, that, the God might Ooh, use the bank. Well, I'm not looking to my job, but God might use the job just like he did for Lisa's testimony. Amen. They Amen. paid her. Did you hear that? They paid her to go to Southwest Ooh. Believers Amen. Convention. Sow a seed by amen in that. That's a big deal. You amen for somebody else, God will do it for you. I'm telling you, you do it. So you start doing those kind of things. God might use that or this, but you don't, you don't have to worry who he's going to use because he could have a thousand people bring things into you, in your way. A thousand people. You don't know. I mean, I, I've had things come to me sometimes and, and it would be the last person in the world I ever thought would do anything for me or would be able to do anything for me. I've had people say, I want to I buy your lunch today. And I'm thinking, I didn't even know you, you know, I didn't say that, but I was thinking, I didn't even know you could afford yours. I should have yeah. been buying, you know, in my mind. Right. But God will use people. He, right. He'll use people to do things and it'll yes. come. But start sowing and start confessing. Amen. My Good. wealth, my supernatural, supernatural wealth yes. flow is coming to me now. Yes. When you're driving down the road in the car, say, well, I, you know, and you, I, it'll get, this will get bigger as we teach on it. But I mean, you start speaking to your debts. You say, debts, listen, my supernatural wealth flow is driving you out of here. This, this, this may be, you're making a house payment or rent payment. You say, this may be the last house payment I'm having yes, to make. And the next one will be one payment, pay the whole thing off right now in Jesus' name. Car payment, this may be the last time I'm ever having to pay you. Supernatural wealth is coming my way. Begin to talk like that. I, I wish I could elaborate on that, but I will say this. Your faith, which moves mountains, shall, your faith will always rise to the level of your confession. If you, if you don't have your confession up there, your faith won't come and reach up to it. But the more you confess it, the more that faith begins to expand into that area. Amen.
Amen. Did you get anything out of that tonight? All right. Praise God. We'll get deeper into this, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. And I'm excited about the opportunity.